Welcome to Shortbox Summary. I'm your host, George, and joining me tonight, we've got recurring guests. I think that officially makes you co-host material, like recurring co-host. I mean, I'm taking over the pod. You are taking over the pod. Sorry, Fabio. You gotta text me back, man. You gotta text me back. I'll put you on the show if you text me back. Love you, Fabio. Love you, Fabs. <sighs> we are here tonight, Aaliyah, to talk about a film. We're talking about Daredevil from 2003. Did the podcast a little out of order, honestly? I really just wanted to talk about the Hulk because I hadn't seen that movie in so long. And that's why that came out last week. We're doing Daredevil. You and I watched Daredevil like uh, two months ago. Two or three months ago. It's, in, it's been a minute. Yeah, we were preparing for this podcast and then shit happened. Celtics had a good playoff run. Yeah, and just like a preview of, of how this is going to go. We watched it maybe three months ago. I didn't remember a single thing about the movie. I thought I was forgetting things, and then rewatching it today, I'm like, no, I didn't. I remembered literally everything that happened in this movie. It's just... Nothing happens. It's just nothing happens. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Uh, let's go back in time first. Let's kick things off with Box Office. So this movie came out February 14th, 2003. Had a budget of $78 million, Had Box Office of $179 million. It was number one when it came out. It made $40.3 million over the weekend. How? Not a whole lot to do on Valentine's Day, I guess. I mean, I see I see the next movie, and I feel like that was way more of a hit. It came out the week before, or two weeks before. I think, okay. it, was, I think it was in theaters 10 days. But How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days was number two. Chicago had been out for two months at that point. Is that like the musical? The musical, like Richard Gere and Catherine Zeta-Jones. And oh. Renee Zellweger. She was also in that. I thought it was, uh... I'm thinking of something else, I think. Thinking of Moulin Rouge? No, Natalie Kidman? Natalie Portman? Nicole Kidman? Nicole Kidman. She might have been in that. I don't know. I never saw it. I'm not a big Richard Gere fan. I like Officer and a Gentleman, and uh, that's about it. I think I'm thinking of a different movie. Okay. Number three. Wow, no, sorry. Number four, The Jungle Book 2. Never saw it. Animated movie? Yeah. Number four, Shanghai Nights, the sequel to Shanghai Noon, the Jackie Chan, Owen Wilson. I'll, I'll, I'll admit I wasn't a big movie person in 2003 i just remember that trailer being on tv all the time like just i just remember owen wilson like fly, driving a car being like flying like a bat out of hell like i just that's all i remember from that movie i never saw it honestly i liked the first one and then uh, i watched it as i got older and doesn't hold up no vaguely racist maybe even just overtly racist yeah i feel like that uh that happens with a lot of movies that i watch nowadays yeah, sure does. Uh, number five was The Recruit. The only reason, or number six, the only reason I'm including this is because Colin Farrell was also in that movie. And it's like a weird spy movie. And it's really interesting, actually, because Al Pacino has a line in that where he shows Colin Farrell a scar he has. And he's like, you know why scars are important? Because they remind us that the past really happened. It was real. And then that became the line in the Papa Roach song, Scars. Is that where he got it from? I double-checked. The movie came out six months before the song did. But, but, but maybe not, like, six months before the song was written. Okay, but you think inspiration struck both Al Pacino, whoever wrote the movie, and Papa Roach himself at, like, the same time? Papa Roach, creative genius? Yeah. I, I think maybe independent... Evolution? Yeah. Okay. Final Destination 2 is the, the last movie I'm going to list from, from the box office. The only reason I'm including that is because that's the movie that 
has like the log. Is that the log one? That's the log truck. Oh yeah. god, I can I every time I'm behind a, a truck with logs, I have to It's been to pass. it's been 19 years. Yeah, I've never <laughs> been able to drive the same since that movie came out. So that's why I wanted to include that. Billboard Hot 100. You ready? Hit me. Number 1, All I Have, Jennifer Lopez and LL Cool J. I love LL Cool J. You know what? The ladies love Cool J. I still don't believe that's what LL stands for. If you loved him so much, I think you'd watch NCIS Los Angeles, but you don't. I've watched like 90% of it. I did not know that. I live with you. I've known you 10 years. How did I not know that? Because I watched like 90% of it before we like lived together. Okay. Yeah. That, that, and he's it like, adds up. He's like the reason why. And the other guy's fine. Chris O'Donnell? Yeah. He was Robin in the, in the Batman and Robin movies. Yeah. Wasn't? No, that's not who plays Rory's dad on... No, he's way too young. Okay. He's also kind of like an older uh, Stephen Amell. I feel like they have same vibes. That's a great call, actually. Yeah, he could have played his uncle on Arrow. I love Stephen Amell. You love Arrow. I do. Up, up to, like, season five. After yeah, the, season five, it, eh, the, it drops the, off. The Damien Dark stuff really loses it for me. But, God, season two is perfect. Uh, number two, Mesmerized by Ja Rule and Ashanti. Ugh, love it. Number three, Bump Up Bump by uh, BTK and P. Diddy. I'm sure I would know it if I heard it. I wish I were good enough at editing to just drop little 15 second clips of songs in. It's fine. Yeah. They're not here for, for the music. They're not. Uh, but speaking of music, Into Club, 50 Cent, number four. Bottles going, bub. Number five, Beautiful by Christina Aguilera. I can't think of the song because all I can think of is the James Blunt. You're beautiful. Oh, I thought for sure you're going to go Mean Girls. Like when, what's his, oh. sings it oh, at, 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 yeah. the, at the talent show, the Christmas talent show. Whew. All right. That was what was happening in 2003. Do you feel like you're in a time machine? You feel 19 years younger now? I wish I was 19 years younger. I, I wish I were 19 you, years You wish you were, but also I, that's. I'm not going to open that door. Uh, Roger Ebert surprisingly gave this movie three out of four stars. He said the movie is, in short, your money's worth. Better than we expect, more fun than we deserve. I'm getting a little worn out describing the origin stories and powers of superheroes and their relationships to arch villains, gnashing henchmen, and brave, muscular female pals. They weep, they grow, they astonish, they overcome, they remain vulnerable, and their enemies spend inordinate, inordinate time on wardrobe, grooming, and props, and behaving as if their milk of human kindness has turned to cottage cheese. Some of their movies, like this one, are better than others. I... I respectfully disagree. <laughs> <laughs> also, who rates something out of four stars? Roger Ebert does. Oh. He, he's, he's not that big a deal, don't worry about it. I mean, I, I know the name, but I feel like it's That's like... That's how you know it's a big fucking deal. <laughs> but it's like, out of five stars... Uh, he went out of four. Well, I think he's wrong. Okay. On several levels. Aaliyah, where were you Valentine's Day 2003? Let's say I was 12 years old, mm -hmm. so probably 7th grade. I think 6th grade, because I was 7th grade. Yeah, because 2001... Well, 2001, I was in 5th grade. Okay, spring. Spring of 6th grade, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh... I'm trying to remember my sixth grade teacher. I think it was Mrs. Hallis. Yeah. Thumbs up for Mrs. Hallis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big fan. 
great lady. Cool. Other than that, I couldn't tell you anything. I was in seventh grade. Uh, if we're shouting out, uh, shout out Mrs. Abraham. Uh, wonderful lady. She was my first and second grade teacher. Really scared to have her for seventh grade because I thought first she... and second and now seventh. Yeah, she went from like you know elementary up to grade school. I feel like that's cheating you out of like a wider variety of teachers. I was honestly nervous because like I thought she was kind of mean in first and second grade, and it was just kind of like one of those like oh fuck not you. Well, maybe you were just kind of an asshole. In I first was. And that's exactly grade. that's exactly what it was. Like I got like some some of my best grades in her class because like I worked really hard because I was like I want to make her like me. I want to see if I can do it, and I think I did it because she bought me a book at the end of the year. Because I moved. Uh, but specifically, I remember this movie coming out. Um, my dad and I went down to New York where my brother was going to college. And uh, we were going out to see a movie like on that Friday night. It was the first time we'd ever been to Uno's. Pretty exciting stuff. Groundbreaking. Yeah. Well, Nick, uh, my brother, got uh, spaghetti and meatball, which I thought was so funny. Because it was literally <laughs> just a plate of pasta with a giant meatball the size of a softball <laughs> Nick just doesn't feel like a spaghetti and meatballs kind of guy to me. No, it's, a, again, spaghetti and meatball, Single meatball. <laughs> single giant iceberg of a meatball. Uh, and then we went out to the movies after dinner, and I was so excited because I thought we were going to see Daredevil. I'm like, what else could be out? But this was, we went a week after the movie had come out, and we totally saw Old School, which released the next Friday, and just absolutely murdered Daredevil. And then there was, like, a run of brand new movies that would come out, and just everything would be number one just for, like, a week. So I don't think I saw this until it came to cable. I don't think I saw this one in theaters. I didn't think it looked very good back then. No, I I definitely saw it, like, I think on TV, like TNT or something. Like, I, re I remember, like, watching it in our living room with my dad. Mm -hmm. This feels like a big, a big Tony movie. Yeah. Yeah. Checks a lot of the boxes for Tony. He might even own this on DVD. Holy shit. Not Blu-ray. No. Just DVD. <laughs> no, and uh, for the sake of the podcast, we watched the theatrical cut, not the director's cut. I've heard really good things about the uh, director's cut. That's not true. I've heard better things about the director's cut than the theatrical cut, but it's also like a half hour longer. And honestly, I just didn't want to watch it. <laughs> it was very painful. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Summary of the movie. Empowered with superhuman senses by an accident that blinded him as a child, Matt spends, sorry, Matt Murdock spends his days protecting the weak and downtrodden in courtrooms and his nights patrolling the neighborhood of Hell's Kitchen as Daredevil, the man without fear. When he meets Electra Nachos, he seems happy for the first time in his life until he's framed for the murder of her father by the crime lord of New York City and his deadly assassin Bullseye, setting Electra on a path of violence and vengeance. That, that's what happened, right? Yeah, that's... I feel like we probably could have eliminated a sentence, but like... Yeah, but that's also, like, that's literally the entire movie. Yeah. It's summed up in two sentences. I used a lot of, I used a lot of commas. Yeah. So what do we think revisiting the movie? Um... <laughs> Sorry, I just read your note. My note my note says, good God, this movie's a turd. <laughs> I think I like this movie as a kid just because, like, it's really stylized. I will give it credit there. Like, it definitely has, like, a, a look and feel to it. But, man, it's just, like, not a good movie. And it sucks, too, because this is, like, one of the most seminal Daredevil stories of all time. It's basically retelling the entire, like, Electra saga from, like, the Frank Miller comics in, I think, 81, 82, maybe. But it's like, takes place around Daredevil, I want to say, like, 174 to, like, 181, like, over that span of issues, I think. I, I should have looked that up before recording. 
But, like, this is probably the most important Daredevil story of all time. And this movie just, it feels like a like a fart in the wind. Like, it just, like, like things happen. And there's, like, no weight given to anything in the movie. And I gotta be honest, this is now, like, the least favorite movie we've covered on this podcast. And that's, I'm including uh, Hulk from last week. Wow. Yeah. And that movie is, like, famously reviled. Yeah. My my first note that I wrote about it was like, watch well, this a couple months ago. Couldn't remember a thing about it. And then, not memorable, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ben is charming, because I love Ben Affleck. You do love I want to support most of the things that Ben Affleck does. Yeah, you do love Ben Affleck. But God, he's not even that good in it. He's really not. And there was like... I got the feeling, like, it looked like he was wearing a toupee. I don't know what the fuck was going on with his hair, but, like, it looked like the stuff from, like, a dry erase marker was, like, cut out and, like, fluffed a little bit and then just, like, padded on top. Like, he had extremely weird... And, like, I feel bad for him because he was wearing, like, those contact lenses to, like, look blind. Yeah. And apparently, like, severely limited his vision. So, like, that's why he just looks so, like, doe-faced, like, all the time, like, when he's acting. And there's, like, some warmth in some scenes. And I think it's usually the scenes where he's wearing sunglasses because he doesn't have to wear them so he can, like, feel a little bit more confident. But overall, like, the look of this movie is so weird. I fucking hate the costume. I think the costume looks like shit. Oh, yeah, that was my fifth note. Suit is not great. Suit is not great whatsoever. When you were watching it, did you feel... Did it feel like it was happening in the real world? No. No, it felt like a weird, futuristic, like, semi-futuristic sci-fi movie right kind of i don't know it just felt like like alternate reality-esque like honestly i i said this to you earlier it felt like it was like trying to be like the matrix Mm -hmm. and like that i guess futuristic for 2003 vibes sure yeah uh but like really just fell short yeah this is the same year that matrix reloaded came out so uh, that aesthetic was was pretty popular. There's like a whole bunch of shots that just had like a greenish hue to it, right? And then like there were so many fucking Dutch angles. And like a Dutch angle is like when the camera is like level with the ground and then like tilted like 20 degrees or whatever. Yeah, I didn't love that. I liked it because it felt like super stylized. Like it felt like it had like personality. But like everything else was just like flatly lit. And normally I fucking love that. But like something about this just made it seem like it was the first comic book movie shot entirely on green screen. And, like, there was something in Spider-Man, like the Sam Raimi one, which I think you'd probably refuse to watch because you hate Tobey Maguire so much. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Something about that felt, like, campy, and, like, it built, like, a cohesive universe, right? Where, like, it felt almost like the 60s, but, like, if the 60s were happening today, like, there was some really weird sense of time and place in that movie. And here, it just felt like... Like, this weird version that could, like, just wouldn't exist. Like, it just felt like such a distinctly false representation of any kind of reality. Yeah, it just felt off. Yeah. Uh, my other note that I had was that the lawyer scene was awful. As a lawyer. Yeah. Just, any basic research would have, like, I don't, like, made it even remotely better. So, like, he was, like... A criminal defense attorney, but it was, like, a rape case, so he would have been representing mm-hmm. the victim, mm-hmm. but it was a criminal trial, and not the a... victim's not recommend represented. 
Yeah. And, and he's it, not a prosecutor. So it, like... It just, like... The whole premise okay. of it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I was gonna ask, like, was that a civil case? Because, like... I... It could have been, but he, I don't think he's a plaintiff's attorney because, like, their whole thing was, like, we only represent people who are innocent. Yeah. And, like... <laughs> and you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, there's no real innocence in civil claims. So, like, it just... It did... It, nothing sat right with me. Okay. And th- I think they just put that in. They're like, hey, here's he's a lawyer. Mm-hmm. We're going to reference that later. It'd be weird if we didn't put it in. Sure. But it didn't uh, add anything. I think there's there's more legal scenes in the director's cut. He actually represents Coolio at one point, like the rapper. He's he's in the movie. So like I'm not gonna lie. Like I might go back and watch the director's cut like after this. You and I we're on a hard timeline just because uh, we're recording this on Friday the day it's releasing, and uh, Serena is playing in the U.S. Open. So we're trying to doing it live, baby. Yeah, yeah trying to get it done in time. So uh, maybe this weekend I'll I'll tweet my thoughts. I'll do like a live tweet thread about uh, about the movie. Uh, yeah, good riddance. Yeah, good riddance. Let's jump into casting casualties. I don't think... You've never done a movie podcast before, have you? No, I have not. Okay, so casting casualties, that's when we talk about the what-ifs the, and the could-have-beens. And so for director, it was originally slated to be directed by Chris Columbus, who I don't know if you know names. <laughs> different it is, a, it is a different Chris Columbus. <laughs> you saw that glimmer in my eye of like... It's like, Wow. That fucking guy. <laughs> He's still around? Man, Hollywood won't cancel anyone. <laughs> <laughs> this guy basically invented fucking smallpox and yeah, and, oh genocide. He, yeah, and he can just direct a movie. No, different Chris Columbus. He directed Home Alone, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, and uh, my personal favorite of his, Adventures in Babysitting, which is a really good eighties movie. Okay. Uh also up uh, Rennie Harlan, Sam Raimi, who I think would have been good, but I think the reason he went with Spider Man is one, it's just a much bigger profile character. Two, bigger budget. And uh, three, like, it's kind of, like, got body horror elements, which, like, he got his... He, he got his, like, first... He, he got his bread-making horror movies, is what I'm trying to say. Okay. And so I think that was just, like, more appealing to him. Tim Burton was also apparently up for it. I think that would have been really interesting, just because he is, like, super stylistic. He did the Batman movies, and, like... Yeah, I don't love Tim Burton. I know you don't, but do you think gun to your head he could have made a better movie than this i don't think he could have made it worse okay all right i'll take it and then uh mark az Depay is uh the last director i could find for daredevil you want to hear who's up yeah all right uh guy pierce i don't know who that is he was the bad guy in iron man 3 and he was in a bunch of other movies that i don't think you've seen speaking of which we should watch memento soon i think you'd like that movie okay uh matt damon uh bff do you think he would have been a better Daredevil? Maybe, but I feel like Ben Affleck's career would have been totally different if he hadn't done Daredevil. That's really interesting. You want to elaborate on that a bit? No. I <laughs> I don't have any thoughts further other than <laughs> I think his career and maybe love life would have been completely different. Oh, his love life a thousand percent would have been completely different. Good, good grief. We're going to jump into that. I got some notes at the, at the bottom of the sheet. Uh, next up, Vin Diesel. Was up for Daredevil. I love Vin Diesel. It's funny. He turned this movie down to play Riddick in Chronicles of Riddick or Pitch Black. I can't remember. I think Pitch Black. I think that one came out first. Uh, where he was also blind. So, like, he's like, I want to play a blind guy, but not not Matt Murdock. I think Vin Diesel's career would have been totally different if he had done this movie. 
No, I think he's okay. <laughs> I, think, I think I think he's an immovable immovable object career wise. And I'm just saying the pacifier is like very underrated. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh Colin Farrell was actually up for Daredevil. Colin Farrell who played Bullseye in the movie. I did not like. Oh, his Bullseye was shit. I mean, I really like Colin Farrell. I think he actually probably does like one of the better jobs. I think he definitely overacts in this movie. A thousand percent. Yeah. Like Colin Farrell in The Gentleman, is it? Yeah. The gen- that's yeah. the right movie I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, the Matthew McConaughey drug dealing one. Yes. Yeah. Fucking incredible in that movie. Yeah. Charlie Hunnam. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, that movie's fantastic. Yeah. When are we covering that movie? I don't know. We haven't been to Mark's house in so long. My, <laughs> my dad, for like a one-year period, whenever we went over to his house or like came out to the living room if we were staying there, it would just, like the gentleman would just be on. I think I don't think that's his favorite movie. I just think it's like his favorite movie to watch while he does other shit. Yeah. Yeah. Ed Norton, you hate Ed Norton, so we're just gonna pass. Uh, Matthew Davis is my favorite. What if he I don't was know who that is. he was the shitty boyfriend in Legally Blonde and like the super oh! and like the super hot guy in Blue Crush. I think that would have been a really interesting choice. I think he would have been amazing. I honestly think Ben Starhood kind of brings him. Like I think that makes the movie worse. Okay. Uh huh. I I feel that. Well, that like. I don't know, the fact that he, like, went on to play Batman, the, the, the actors that double dip into superheroes and, like, one wasn't enough. It's only cool when Halle Berry does it, when Chris Evans does it. Chris Even Evans, Chris Evans, I'm like... Chris Evans triple dipped. Captain America, the Fantastic Four guy. And then he was in this movie called The Losers, which is, like, a war comic, but, like, he's still, still a comic book. But different universe. Isn't Fantastic Four in Marvel? Yeah. So, like, same universe, technically. Like, that's... That's cheating! That's not canon! <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, for Electra, so many people were up for it. And, like, I couldn't tell, like, who was real and who was just, like, hot actresses at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, run through the list. Stop me if anyone catches your eye. Uh, first one, Eliza Dushku. Eliza Dushku. <laughs> I love Eliza Dushku. I actually think if we had Matthew Davis and Eliza Dushku, this was a better movie. A thousand percent. Okay. Penelope Cruz, I don't get it. Like, I, I, I guess, like, Electra in the comics is, like, Greek. And she's Greek in the movie, too. But, like, I don't really get a Greek vibe off of Jennifer Garner. I don't get anything other than, like, a piece of cardboard from Jennifer Garner. Yeah, I get, like, like maybe Toronto is, like, the, mo- <laughs> is, like, the most foreign she could be in this movie. Uh, Selma Hayek, Natalie Portman. Ooh, I like Natalie Portman. I think that'd be fun. Lucy Liu. Maybe. Yeah. Jessica Alba. Honestly, I feel like Lucy Liu is, like, too good for this movie. I 110,000% agree. <laughs> I don't want her anywhere near this fucking turd. Uh, Jessica Alba. Eh. I feel like she was just up for everything in 2003. Yeah, is this, like, step up time? Uh, around there, yeah. And this is two years before she would be Invisible Woman in Fantastic Four. That was 2005. Okay. Kitty Holmes. Yeah. Mia Maestro. Don't know who that is. I forget who she is. I should have added more notes. Uh, Rona Mitra, who was Kit on Boston Legal. If you remember that show. Mm-mm. God, you're a lawyer and you got, went to law school in Boston. I thought for sure. Boston Legal. Okay. Uh, did you make it to Mercy on Supergirl? No. Okay. I don't think so. Uh, Jalene Blalick, who is on Star Trek Enterprise. Neve Campbell. Okay. I don't think. I can't really see action in her. No. I see, like, Thriller, because, like, the Scream movies are great, but yeah. I can't see, like, 
I mean, this was supposed to be like a triple A like action movie. It it it's bad, but like it was supposed to be, and so like I just can't really see. I I really oh, and Monica Bellucci was the other one, but like that almost makes sense because like Italy is close to Greece. I guess. Yeah, I really think Eliza Dushku and Matthew Davis make this a better movie. That are like Cody to Pablo. Okay, wait, like Ziva. Ziva okay. from NCIS. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, Bullseye. The only person I could find who was up for Bullseye was Ben Affleck. Okay, so they just like they're they just, like, no, we want Ben to be the lead. Yeah, and then yeah, because which I I get choosing Ben Affleck over Colin Farrell for he was just he was a much more bankable star, yeah. right? Like, I mean, you put him in a movie, like you're people gar- are gonna go see it. You're guaranteeing some box office return. And then Kingpin, played by Michael Clark Duncan, the only casting what ifs I could find for him were was quote several white wrestlers who all failed like their their screen tests. And like the Kingpin character in the comics is white. But then Michael Clark Duncan came in. He actually voiced the character on, like, a Spider-Man cartoon that would air a couple years later on MTV. So, like, he kind of, like, owned Kingpin for... I, I liked him in that role. I really liked him in that role. He was one of my more likable characters that I had. Yeah. Uh, great for the movie at the time, great for the movie now. I'm going to give the movie a B- minus. then. Honestly, the reason I loved this movie so much was because I, I bought, like, the two-disc collector's edition or whatever, like, in, in high school. And then on the second disc, there was this special feature that interviewed everyone who had, like, a major hand in the Daredevil comics. And we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> Thank you for that. Sorry. Uh, we The dogs were fighting over a clump of hair or a bully stick or the really gross stuffed animal or something. So, Or our attention. Or, I mean, probably not. No. No. Um, so you gave it a... B at the or B minus at the time. It was a special feature that had like every single major contributor to the Daredevil comics. It was like a forty-five minute long documentary. It was just like them talking about their time on the character, what they tried to do, what they accomplished, and just like why they were important. And like honestly, I watched that more than the movie as a as yeah. A that kid. sounds so much more interesting. <laughs> okay, okay. And I don't even care. And I fucking hate comics unless someone asked me to read them to record a show. Even then. Even then. Okay. Um, I gave it a B at the time. Like I said, I watched it with my dad and it felt like a, a fun... There, like, wasn't a lot in the realm of, like, superhero-y movies at the time. No. Like, up until that point, it was... Like, there, was like, there weren't a lot to choose from. We didn't, w- we didn't know what we know now. I think this was the biggest year and, like, I, for all I can find, I think there's, like, three major movies. It was, like, Hulk... Uh, Daredevil and like X2 came out in the same year so like that's three but it was like from different studios like there was like an air of competition which like kind of made it more exciting yeah but there wasn't like a cohesive I don't know universe or no, story no line. no no they were all just like independent they were trying to be like really good action movies featuring character X mm-hmm. featuring character Y yeah uh Rewatching it now, I gave it a C minus, which I think is like still very generous. That is pretty generous. And that's mostly my deference to Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Did I give a grade for now? No. Um. Honestly, D D for Daredevil. Double D. Double D's. God, when he like lights the the thing on the subway and it's the double D's. Jesus Christ. That's so bad. Okay, yeah, we're gonna get there. <laughs> I, I have that in a different section for sure. Uh, best line from the movie. I've got one, two, three, four. I have five lines in total. I had three, and it was, like, kind of hard to pick. Sure was. Three. Yeah. All right, hit me. Uh, my first one is, uh, the priest, towards the beginning, is says, 
a man without fear is a man without hope. Okay. And I was like, okay, that, I, I get that. I understand what he's saying. Yeah. Can I add something to that line? Because yeah. I also have a line from that guy, from Father Everett. You didn't come here for forgiveness, you came here for permission. Yeah. Which is, like, an interesting take on, like, what if superheroes are a bad thing? Because to date, we hadn't really seen that in in a movie. Like, Blade wasn't really a superhero movie, right? Like, he wasn't, like, doing, like, the tropes of a superhero. Fucking amazing movie, though. Yeah. Yeah. Blade 1, Blade 2, kick ass. Uh, but, like, it was just, like, this is the first time it felt like vigilantism was, like, considered a, a, a negative. You know, like, it was really jokey the way they handled it in, in Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, kind of along the same lines, um, my second line that I had kind of came at least twice in the movie, and, like, towards the middle, he, like, either beat someone terribly or killed someone in front of a kid, Mm -hmm. and he was like, I'm not the bad guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then later at the end, he's saying, he's like, I'm not the bad guy, and Mm -hmm. he, like, kind of proves it. Yeah. Which I like the evolution. Uh Uh-huh, character growth, yeah. Yes. Um... And I don't know, I really like the the first time when he's like, I'm not the bad guy. I'm like, who are you trying to convince? Like The kid or you. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. I did not have that. That's that's a fucking awesome call. This uh, is my podcast now. This, oh my god, you you are the captain now. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's another line you had? Um I had him in the courtroom, justice is blind, but it can be heard. Like honestly, I put that in there just because it's like I wish you could see he, I can hear your eyes rolling. Yes. I think whoever's listening can also hear your eyes rolling. But just the fact that it's, like, a blind lawyer saying that in a courtroom, like, it's just, like, so fucking on the nose. And, like, also doesn't... Doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. Justice is blind, but it can't be... Like, I understand, like, I, I, I get what he's trying to say. But, like, honestly, it just feels like a dad making a dad joke, almost. Yeah. Yeah, it feels, like, a little too... Just a little too on the nose. Um, yeah, my last one is, like, the, like, very last line of the movie where he's, like, watching from the darkness, forever in the darkness, a guardian devil. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was fun, like, a guardian angel, but a guardian sure. devil. I don't like the way they repeat darkness there. Uh, but yeah. 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 That's good. I, I probably remember being, like, really emotionally moved by that scene as a kid. Like, well, just because, like, as a 13-year-old, I'm like, oh, that's intense writing. You know, like, it just felt, like, epic in a way. Like, this is an action movie, and then, like, the action movies from, like, you know, that I grew up with, like, in the 80s and 90s, like, there would never be, like, a self-reflective point by the by the star in anything, right? Like, there would never yeah, be someone... Okay. Like, Bruce Willis would never, like, sum up what he was trying to do <laughs> in Die Hard 3, you know? Um, yeah, I just... Nothing in this movie made me, like, feel anything. I mean, not now. As a 13-year-old who had seen fewer things than I have now. Yeah. Also, I don't think I'd read a single Daredevil comic. You had so many feelings. When I first read, when I first saw this movie. Uh, Let's see, the other line I've got is, they say your whole life flashes before your eyes and you die, and it's true, even for a blind man. It's, like, the first line in the movie. Yeah. And uh, I got two lines from John Favreau that I just thought were were good. I've got uh, yeah, I go salsa dancing on the weekend. I don't shake my ass to pay my phone bill. What does that even mean? Well, because like he got paid in fluke, like that fish by like one, um, of the, one of the clients. He's just like he doesn't have a lot of money, but he goes fishing on the weekends. He's like Matt, I go salsa <laughs> dancing on the weekend. I don't shake my ass to pay my phone bill. Like I, I thought okay. that 
It's good John Favreau shit. I like John Favreau in pretty much anything. Yeah, so. yeah, he's 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 a good dude to get me on board. Like uh, we just watched Rudy. He was great in Rudy. He was a weirdo in Rudy. He sure was. Great weirdo though. I have a lot of thoughts about Rudy, but that's that's a different pod. Do you want to do a spinoff podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when they go to like the ball. And uh, he's, like, shit-talking Matt for, like, mm-hmm. turning down the client. And he goes, Matt, I just wish. And he, like, sees Electra walking down in, like, her, her ball gown and just goes, I just wish I could give you my eyes for one night. I will give Jennifer Garner that. She is, like, smoking hot in this movie. Oh, total smoke show, yeah. Terrible actress in this movie. Awful. I think she's actually, like, a, if not a good actress, like, at least, like, a really competent actress. You know, like, someone who, like makes more wins than mistakes generally but like this was just such a wooden performance and like i don't know if it's just because people thought like oh we're making a comic movie it's supposed to be campy but like nothing about everything else in this movie was like campy like it looked like they were going like really serious but like she was kind of campy like whenever they were doing like their one-liners when they were fighting each other like i just i just fucking awful like it was, it was just bad. she was just very cringe very flat I mean, I'm not a big... I like her as a person. Mm-hmm. I watched all of Alias recently, yeah. too. Um, and she's kind of the same way in that, which makes me think it's just her. Mm-hmm. And the Capital One commercials. Yeah. I mean, she's really good in, like, Juno. Right? As, like, uh, Jason Bateman's wife. Oh. Okay. But, like, again, like, I think it's, like, a smaller role. That just, like, gives her more of a chance to, like, really, like, pop out of it as opposed to being, like, a co-lead. Yeah. Yeah, she was just... Ooh. Yeah. Uh, best fight scene. We're, there's so many nominees. <laughs> <laughs> there's a surprising amount of nominees. Uh, the first one I'm going to nominate, and it might be my winner, it's the bully scene with, like, Kid Murdoch. Like, like Blind Kid Murdoch? Uh, blind Kid yeah, Murdoch. Yeah, where he, like, beats the shit out of them with his... Yeah, it does, like, a fucking, like, backflip, like, with his walking stick. Yeah, the physics in this movie don't quite make sense to yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's weird, yeah. Uh, Daredevil versus Casada in the bar? I don't remember that. Oh, that was, like, <laughs> like when, the, when the rapist, like, gets off, like, Scott Furry, oh, yeah, and yeah. then, like, he confronts him that night. Uh, the playground fight scene between Elektra and and Matt Murdock specifically, not Daredevil. That's that was what I had. And spoilers, she eventually finds out Daredevil is Matt Murdock, and how she didn't put them together before that, I don't know. Sure, yeah, that's a great point. Um, uh, Daredevil versus random gangster. That's like the first. Like, I'm not the bad guy. Okay. That was barely a fight scene. He just kind of like whoops that dude's ass. Did you just list every fight scene? Yeah. And so we're, these are the nominees, and we do that one. Oh, pick one. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Bullseye assassinating Mr. Nachios. Uh huh. Electra versus Sandbags, <laughs> like when she's doing. Like, okay, I was gonna, I was gonna be like, <laughs> can we count this as a fight scene because that would be on my list. Yeah, absolutely. That was like when uh, Bring Me to Life. Or... I don't know. The soundtrack's like brought to you by Evanescence. Yeah, no, we're gonna talk about the soundtrack. Don't you worry. Uh, Electra vs. Daredevil slash Electra vs. Bullseye slash Daredevil vs. Bullseye. God. That one has, like, one of my favorite scenes. Or not favorite scenes, but, like, one of my favorite shots in this turd. Uh, but, like, when Bullseye's, like, catching all the glass that he, like, breaks to, like, throw at Daredevil. Yeah. And then Daredevil does, like, the super dramatic, like, triple... Back tri- Yeah, triple back handspring. Um, and then finally, Daredevil vs. Kingpin. I just, I like the fight scene like i like that he's fighting in his office i like that like the water was coming down and like gave him giving him like his radar sense and all that stuff 
Yeah, it was like a good music video with oh, it's, a rain scene. Oh, it's great. Yeah, that's what I look for in uh, music videos. I had I had written down the Daredevil versus Kingpin fight and just dash throws Daredevil like a rag doll. Oh, it sure does. Yeah. <laughs> and that was why why I liked it. I was like yeah, I just like that he just, like, flung him up against the ceiling, threw oh, him across the room. That's the thing. Everyone makes fun of Kingpin and like, the, the comics and the cartoons just being like, oh, yeah, fatso. And he's just like, I'm going to fucking break you. <laughs> and then he, he usually does. He just, like, he's like the mountain almost from, like, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Was this was this the same actor from the guy in Green Mile? Yeah, yeah, it was. Okay. They actually starred together in Armageddon, Ben Affleck and Michael Clark Duncan. Oh. Yeah. Liv Tyler could have been in this movie. She looks just as ethnic as Jennifer Garner. At least she has dark hair. Yeah. Like my mom thinks you're Greek. That's silly. Um, I am going to go with. I want to go with specifically the Electra versus Daredevil scene. Like in the, the the third act. Before she finds out. Yeah, sandba- sandbags. Is Where not- she like basically kills him. Yeah, oh yeah. And then like takes his mask off. And she's like, oh, oh no! shit! <laughs> not my boyfriend! <laughs> not even boyfriend. Like there wasn't even like relationship development. It was like. I think they boned once. Yeah. And they were just like, you're hot. I'm hot. Our downstairs part should touch more. Like, like they like really like the foundations of like knowing each other like there was like no development no character development no storyline development no relationship development like i'm i'm confusing the comics continuity and so there's like the 616 like the main comics and then there's the ultimate universe and i I can't remember if this is one or the other I i think it's the ultimate universe but they were like like they dated in college like they they were fucking in college and then like didn't see each other for like 10 years and he, like, didn't really know what happened to her. And so, like, she was kind of the one that got away, but also, like, the one that broke his heart in the comics. And, like, th- th- if they had just, like, known each other, like, if they had, like, gone to law school together or something, and then she left. Or even if they did just, like, a three-minute montage of, like, time passing and them dating and going out to dinners and, like, doing cute stuff together. Love a good montage. I do. I I'm a sucker for a montage. What did you think of that montage in the beginning of the movie when he was, like, getting dressed and, like, getting ready to, to go out and patrol the night? Whatever. Didn't love it. Didn't love it? Okay. Um, but, yeah, there, there was so much more they could have done. Um, my favorite fight scene was Matt Murdock, Matt Murdock versus, I guess, Electra. In the playground? Yeah. That was ridiculous. Just because it was, like, so... Not even, like, well choreographed, but, like, clearly choreographed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is this fighting or is this dancing? Uh, it definitely felt more like dancing than fighting. I, w- I will 110% give you that. Also, like, all the kids got super into it. And they, I think they were just like, yeah, kick his ass, lady! Like, I think yeah. they were really feeling it. Very weird. But that that was the one scene that I could recall from this movie, so I think that's why it was like... That scene was where they, I think, had the most chemistry in the entire movie. Which is weird... Because, like, we'll talk about they, like, end up together married for... Ten years. Ten plus years. And, like, two kids. And they have no chemistry, like, whatsoever in this movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to cover that. Um, best tug on the heartstring. I've got two nominees. <laughs> okay. I've got Matt seeing his father be mob muscle in the beginning. Like, he's looking for his dad at the docks. And, uh, or he's just looking for, yeah, looking for his dad at the docks. He said he was, like, pulling double shifts. He was lying. He was actually working as, like, a mob enforcer for Fallon. And, uh, he sees his dad just, like, strong-arming some dude, you know, after his dad told him, like, get straight A's. And he, like, got straight A's, dropped the, dropped the report card, goes off running, and then that's when, like, the accident happens. That gives him his, his superhuman powers. That, that's number one. Number two, I just have stay with me in quotes, because, like, the first night he, like, bangs Electra, he, like, hears something with his radar, and he, like, wants to go out and be Daredevil, and she goes, no, no, stay with me. And he totally does. And then, uh, after her father dies, they're at the funeral, and, um... She's like, no, I have to do this. He's like, no, you don't. You have an option. He's like, what's that? And he's like, stay with me. Try, she, trying to use the same line on her. And she doesn't. And she sure shit doesn't. Um, yeah, I had I had two nominees as well. Um, when Electra realizes Matt is Daredevil. Mm-hmm. When she takes his mask off and she's like, oh no, what have I done? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good um, one. And when she gets like stabbed through the heart. Mm-hmm. Which, I just have to say, when she gets stabbed, the sword doesn't break, like, the back of her vest. I'm really happy you brought that up. And it's just, like, it, like, goes through her body, and then you can see it, Mm -hmm. but, like, stopped by the leather. Okay, so, that is because there is this thing called the Comics Code Authority that was, like, the governing body. There's, like, this whole thing in the 50s where, like... You know how everyone thinks that, like, video games are responsible for violence? Yeah. Basically, they pinned it on comics in the 50s. They said that, like, these people are living, like, uh, deviant lifestyles, and that's influencing our kids to be deviants. Sure, 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 And so sure, they, sure. they instituted this governing body called the Comics Code Authority that was supposed to oversee and make sure everything was proper. This comic came out, uh, Daredevil 181, where she dies, came out when the Comics Code Authority was still pretty powerful and still pretty relevant and, like, needed that seal of approval. And so they couldn't okay her getting stabbed. And so to, like, work through it, to, like, still show the scene, the artist and writer, Frank Miller, is just like, okay, so he, like, punctured her with it, and then it, like, didn't break the leather vest that she was wearing. And so, like, it's, like, the most haunting image of that entire story is, like, the her own sigh going through her, but not breaking the vest. And so that's, like, this movie is actually, like, for all intents and purposes, incredibly respectful to the source material, probably to a detriment. Uh-huh. Like, it doesn't take enough swings. It doesn't really take advantage of being a movie. It's too busy trying to be, like, an adaptation. Yeah. And I think this is actually... everything. Every other movie we've covered so far, like, kind of deviates from the comics. This is, like, pretty faithful to the actual story. Uh, for better and worse, mostly worse. Yeah. Um, I just thought that was weird, but that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Your explanation makes sense. But, like, it obviously pierced the front of the vest. Yeah. So, like... Yeah. No. Lo- logic. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> um, okay, moving on. Moving on. Was this movie too early, too late, or just right? I said just right. It, it sure as shit is a 2003-ass movie. Yeah, like, I don't think it could have been made any later. Mm-hmm. And maybe earlier, I don't know. That's a good point. That's a good point. 
I think this movie was honestly, I think it was too early. Like, I think Spider-Man blew up the box office and then every movie after was just chasing Spider-Man. And they tried so hard to make this feel like as big an epic as Spider-Man. When, like, honestly, it's it's a noir story, you know? Like, it's much more intimate. And, like, I don't think they did a good job of making capitalizing it. on that. Like, I think they, I think if they had waited, they could have gotten probably like a more interesting director to do like a more hard-boiled take on the character which is like where he really thrives next up this is where we talk about what the movie's missing um i don't want to like shit on the movie too much but like there's one thing that i actually find like incredibly shocking so there's no way we can talk about this movie without talking about the soundtrack i mean we could no but like the soundtrack was like kind of a big deal when it came out right like um it peaked at number nine on the Billboard 200 uh, and number two on the U.S. soundtrack album. Like this, this was a really big deal. So like this, out the soundtrack came out February 13th, same day as the movie. The songs that Evanescence in particular uh, had didn't appear on an album until December of that year. So like this was the okay. only place you could buy the CD or buy their songs on CD. One really big miss to me is like when they introduce Kingpin. Uh, they've got. Um, NERD playing they got lap dance playing yeah and that's not even on the fucking soundtrack that sucks it does suck so like that that's the song that's been in my head all day because yeah. I heard it <laughs> uh I hear you all right so like this soundtrack it's got bands like Fuel The Calling Seether Nickelback Drowning Pool featuring Rob Zombie god this is so 2003 Evanescence <laughs> Chevelle Hoobastank Hooba. Finger 11, Autopilot Off. Like, it's got all these bands that honestly just seem like they're too cool to play at Warped Tour, but, like, they're perfect for, like, motocross. Yeah. Right, where it is just, like, that era's version of hard rock. Like, for all intents and purposes, the ACDC in terms of, like, attitude, but not in terms of impact. Right? Like, would you agree with that? Yeah. All right, so, like, those are the songs that, that made it into the movie. And what's shocking is, like, in... T- like, this is my hot take for the movie... In 2003, there was, like, a musical renaissance happening in New York. Like, this was, like, the rebirth of rock and roll. And, like, none of these bands... Like, my problem is that this music... This movie doesn't sound like New York City. This movie sounds like X Games, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there were bands in 2003 that, like, were blowing up. Like, The Strokes, TV on the Radio, The Walkman, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, Interpol, Jay-Z, Alicia Keys, Most Def, like... It, it just, could have been, like, more authentic to New York. Yeah, and I think, like, that would have really helped, especially, like, because Spider-Man just feels like New York is, like, literally set dressing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this just didn't, like, the, it felt like such a miss, and it, honestly, it felt like it was just trying to make it more like a music video instead of, like, trying to be a more authentic... Yeah, I think they were just like, oh, if we put these songs that will probably be popular for most of the country in this movie... It'll do better. Yeah. And I just... It, like, really dates the movie. I don't... Like, yeah, I, I get the logic, but watching the movie, I'm like, this is so 2000s. Well, that, and, like, I'm sorry, but, like, all those bands kind of... They, they sound like pussies. Like, I don't know, like, any other yeah. way to say it. Like, they just seem like fake rock. Like, it feels like... Well, that, like, I... Like, recently watched The Departed again, and mm-hmm. that was, what What year was The Departed? 2005, 2006. Okay, so vaguely same time period. Mm-hmm. And I feel like other than, like, some of the clothing, 
and like the technology, that movie could be today. Yeah. Except for that that T nine scene where Matt Damon's texting without looking in his pocket. Yes. Um, but like a lot of that movie, I'm like, okay, like this isn't as dated. Like I feel like Daredevil was so much more dated. Yeah, it really was. And that's unfortunate. Uh, was there anything else missing from the movie for you? That, that's my big thing. It's just like, I, I don't understand how you can make a movie in 2003 in New York and like not include Jay-Z. Like that feels honestly shocking to me. Yeah. Um, other than like a good storyline. Okay. All right. It's like just... general plot. <laughs> okay. Uh, moving on. Development. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. I don't want to shit on the movie too much. Yeah. Just shit on it enough. Which I think we have. Ben's body looks great. Jennifer Garner's body looks great. Yeah, her eyes look amazing. So Yeah, ima- was she wearing contacts? Yeah, I was going to say, imagine my disappointment when I found out she's wearing green lenses. Yes, yeah. okay. Alright, uh, questions about the movie logic uh, and hole poking into like the general. I've got like I got a couple points I want to bring up. Hit me. Matt is on a lot of drugs. Like, there's that one scene where he like comes back into his home after like kicking the shit out of Casada or whatever. And he's got, uh, is it, uh... Like, prescriptions in multiple names. Yeah, Darvon, Percocet, and Vicodin are, like, the three pills he takes before, like, getting into his sensory deprivation chamber. And I just want to know, like, how could you be on so many, like, opiates and, like, still function normally? Uh, years of drug abuse. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, that's, like, I just, like, dude's, like, on a lot of fucking scrippies to i know like you took vicodin once and got sick for like hours i was so excited to just fucking roll that night man i want i went to like a friend playing keyboard in like a band i just had surgery i'm like i can't drink but i'm gonna get fucking ripped on scripts and then i took one and my tummy hurt so much i had to leave the bar and i was like i gave the food i ordered to my friend i was like i can't eat this my stomach hurts way too much <laughs> uh so that's point one point two how does he have such a sick-ass apartment with a sensory deprivation chamber if his clients pay him in fish and cheese? Yeah, that doesn't make sense. That's also, like the same, like, uh, what's-her-face in Sex in the City has a great apartment as, okay. like, a freelance writer. Carrie Bradshaw? Yeah. yeah. Writing one column a week? Yeah. Like, yeah, he just got bus ads? Yeah, like, here's, like, $250. Like, yeah. Go fuck yourself. Seriously. Uh, that would have been a lot for back then. $250 for like a weekly. Yeah. Okay, I was being generous. Yeah, but I'm just saying like that would have been a lot. Uh, does no one think it's weird that people who are prosecuted by Matt Burdock die? Are they, are they prosecuted? I mean, I want to get a that's, We don't even okay. know. Okay. Uh, that's the thing is like it's. Is it weird that people who are involved in cases that Matt Murdock is a part of, is it weird to anyone that they die? Yeah, how did John Favreau not figure that out? I don't know. It's weird. It's super weird. It's so weird. Especially because it seems like this is not the first time this has happened. Yeah. Oh, the the next one. Um. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> so he takes the time to leave two D's written in gasoline at every crime scene he's a part of. Is it every crime scene? I mean, I assume. I don't know how Joe Pantaleone, like the guy who played Ben Urich, who. That's the reporter. Yeah, we've actually, we talked about him on a couple episodes before, but like, um, yeah, I don't understand how he like knew to look for it if it wasn't like the... A thing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, also lame. 
Yeah, super fucking lame. Weird. It's really only cool when Batman does it in The Dark Knight Rises, but only because that's the best movie of the Nolan trilogy. That's fair. I know you think Batman Begins is. I don't think it's the best movie. I think it's my favorite movie uh, okay, of the trilogy. Okay, okay, okay. I can respect that. That's really good. It's a good take. God, I love Christian Bale as Batman. God, I do too. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, and then fifth point, uh, why does Electra like him? He, like, follows her... At the end of the, the, the their, their meet cute, right? Yeah, and she's like, I don't want to tell you my name. And he's like, oh, honey, just tell me your name. And then he touches her, and she's like, I don't like being touched. I'm going to kick the shit out of you. And then she does. Yeah, and then she's like, okay, I'm into it. My name's Alexa Nashia. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't get it. That's what I'm saying. Like, there was, like, no development of their relationship. It was just like, oh, you're hot. I'm hot. We should fuck. I really think it's just because, like, Oh, he doesn't know what I look like. He's blind, so he must really like me. It's like you had like two conversations. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Granted, like I liked you off of the anonymous Twitter feed, so like that's a good point. Yeah, I get it, but also whatever. I mean, we talked more on Twitter than they did in that coffee house. So. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Um. Next up, what did this movie change? I wrote honestly nothing. Like I think. On, this, like, this probably scared people off from making more solo superhero movies for, like, lesser characters. Like, I think this movie is what took so long for Iron Man to come out. That and, like, probably technology. But, like, Daredevil was a B-tier character. Iron Man was, like, a C-tier character when that movie came out. Um, it's, it's a, I, I think this probably just, like, halted shit for a while. It's weird, too, because the director, Mark Steve Johnson, or Mark Steven Johnson, went on to direct the Ghost Rider movie in 2007 with Nick Cage. And it's just like, how did he get... Like, this movie made money, but it was, like, the largest... <laughs> it was, like, the... F this movie made the least amount of money for any movie in 2003 that made $40 million its opening weekend. That was, like, some stat I found. So, like, this movie made money, but, like, nowhere near what they were expecting it to, which is why we never got a sequel. Yeah, I feel like the ending kind of, like, really set it up for a sequel. Oh, yeah, there was even, like, a deleted, like, a, a, yeah. a post-credit, like, a credit tease, right? With, like, a, what's his nuts? Bullseye, Bullseye, like, yeah. in the hospital. And he, like, kills a fly with a syringe. Cool stuff. That was weird. Super um, weird. The, the one thing I think this movie changed, which we'll get to later, mm -hmm. I see per your notes, is, like, per personal lives. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I want to jump into that in a second. First off, I just want to cover some nerd bases. Sure, hit me. All right, I want to talk about like all the references. So, Stanley. I saw that. Stanley was in the movie. He was an old he man. He's so young. Yeah, he's just a, <laughs> didn't look a day over eighty-five. <laughs> Stan. He was he was the man that like young Matt Murdock saved, and like I think in the comic continuity, that's actually how he got blinded. Was like. A traffic accident? Yeah, like, trying to save someone from crossing the street, and then, like, okay. the truck crashes and, like, splashes shit on his face. Uh, John Romita is a boxer whose name appears on the marquee, like, for his dad to fight. Um, that was, like, a, the artist who worked with Stan Lee on, not the first issue, but, like, a bunch of later issues. Okay. Uh, Father Everett was named after Bill Everett, who drew the first issue of Daredevil. Oh, that's with, a nice nod. With Stan Lee, and then John Romita took over art duties after um miller mac bendis those are boxers mentioned by fallon to jack murdoch that's um frank miller 
That is David Mack and Brian Michael Bendis. When he said Bendis, I was like... I wonder. Is that the same? Is that because of uh, the guy that George likes? Bendis and David Mack were like the most recent. This weekend, 2003, so like Bendis was still writing Daredevil with Maliv. And David Mack would like come in and do like guest arcs. And I think he did a lot of the covers for like earlier in the series. Uh, Mr. Jose Casada was named after Joe Casada, who was like the artist on like the Daredevil Volume Two, like that started in 1998. Why do they make him a bad guy, dude? Why do they make him a rapist? Like he was like the head of Marvel. <laughs> he was like the editor in fucking. Hey. He was the editor in chief at this time, I think. Like Jesus Christ, man! Why would you sign off on that? Uh, Frank Miller was the motorcyclist that Bullseye kills. Like you just see like a body drop, and then you see. Uh, bullseye like driving away on a motorcycle oh. that's that's frank miller the guy who like created okay. a lecture and like told the story that they're turning into a movie and then kevin smith was like the morgue doctor i remember you i was watching this this morning when george was still asleep and he woke up at that scene and was like that's kevin miller <laughs> and then it goes back to <laughs> <laughs> i think i said that's frank miller at the, <laughs> at the dead body and passed back out yeah that makes sense um kevin smith and uh, Joe Casada worked on Daredevil Volume Two. They did like the first okay. eight or ten issues or something. Um. All right, so future plans for the franchise: Daredevil show I think is coming to Disney Plus, and Daredevil's appeared in various Marvel properties recently. The Charlie Cox Daredevil. I actually really like Charlie Cox as Daredevil. I never finished the series. I watched maybe a couple episodes. Yeah, I got really into the first season. I wish we could still, like, uh, Fabio, who's been on the podcast. We are vacuuming. Okay, Fabio, who's been on the podcast, fucking loves Daredevil. Like, absolutely loves Daredevil. Got really into the show, and he sent me a video once of him wearing uh, a pair of, like, Lululemon leggings over his head that he tied to look like Daredevil's, like, original, like, black mask, like, on the show. And then he was just vacuuming. It was just like a selfie video going, "I, we are vacuuming! We are vacuuming! But he was just doing it dressed as Daredevil. It's like my favorite thing ever. I think that phone got stolen, so like I don't think I'm ever going to see that fucking video again, which but sucks. But we quote that so often. Every, every time we vacuum. Yeah, it happens. Um, okay. Okay. Final category before we jump into like the what's really changed. Uh, the Adam, I changed it for the outkicking your coverage because like that people were like, it doesn't have a negative connotation. I'm like, well, yes and no. I was trying to make it positive, but I'm just going to change it to the Adam Vinatieri award for walk off game winner. Like the person who shows up, does one thing and just fucking owns the scene, wins, wins the scene they're in. Also, are you sure you're not doing this to pander towards me because Adam Vinatieri is like my dream man? Yeah, I for sure thought about doing Justin Tucker, uh, who's like the best kicker in NFL history who's still playing. And I was like, oh, I should do Gostowski. But no, you're here, so we're, it's going to be the Adam Vinatieri. AV is my man. AV is your man. You drafting him this year? First round, baby. No, yeah, it's a kicker year. It's going to be a kicker year, especially retired kickers. <laughs> yeah, we have a four-kicker league, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah sure do. We, sh- <laughs> we should do. That's actually a good idea. We should do multiple kickers, and you actually get, like, minus points if they fuck up. That's actually kind of interesting. I'm there for it. I love kickers. Okay, um... <laughs> I am awful at fantasy football. Do not take any advice from me whatsoever, no matter how adamant I am. Yeah, you're like, what, two White Claws deep? Three, four. Three, three four. Okay, yeah, don't listen to her fantasy advice. Um, I got Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin for my winner for this. He might be in the movie too much. If he is in the movie too much, then I'm going to go with John Favreau. I had John Favreau. Um, or the reporter guy. I really liked him. Yeah, Joe Pantaleone. It's funny, I uh, totally stole this award f- 
from a podcast. The Joey Pants Award. The Joey Pants Award. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't put it together until just now. Yeah, I mean, uh, technically this is, like, based off a different award, but they have an award called the Joey Pants Award. Um, all right, we, we've hinted at it. It's time to get into, like, the timeline. So, like, you think... This is the reason I showed up. Yeah, you think the movie, what it most changed, and you're 110% right... I didn't even think about it for this category, but you're... You... Ben Affleck's personal life trajectory. Okay, trajectory. <laughs> trajectory. Projection. Projectory. Okay. Projectory. Yeah, projectory. Uh, I'm stealing it. It's official. This is an ad for White Claws. <laughs> All right, so in 2002, J-Lo is married to her second husband, and she meets Ben Affleck. Who is her second husband? We don't even know. Uh, it's not Mark Anthony. It is not Mark Anthony. That's her third husband. Uh, her second husband... Our future child. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, her second husband is... Do I really need to find this? No, it's fine. I, I don't care. Okay. You, you said who... Just like, it's it, it's some dude who's definitely not hot enough to be married to J-Lo. Is anyone? Maybe Ben Affleck. Okay. All right, so they meet in 2002 on the set of Geely. This is in early 2002. Uh, in two, later in 2002, I think in like June, J-Lo gets divorced from her second husband. Yeah. And this is after Ben Affleck put out like a full page ad saying like, what a treat it is to work with you. I wish I could star in every movie with you. Yeah, there's rumors. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of rumors going around about J-Lo and Ben. Okay, so in September of 2002, that's when the Jenny from the Block video came out. God. And that's when, like, it's supposed to be about her being, like, authentically Jenny and all this shit, but the entire video was just about their relationship. Yeah. And that's him on the boat, like, smacking his ass, smacking her ass. Yeah, and we recently saw... And then kissing her ass. Like, remakes. Yeah, sure did paparazzi photos Mm -hmm. which i i kind of feel bad for uh giving this so much attention attention because i read like a bunch of stuff from ben affleck about how paparazzi attention especially surrounding like his love life has like made his life worse yeah and like contributed to alcoholism and well i mean that anxiety and depression and it's like it sucks because like that shot of him smoking a cigarette and just looking at like it's like the best meme ever yeah and it just sucks because it's like dude why do i have to be the face of like misery yeah um that uh caveat aside fucking love this (laughs) yeah okay so they were engaged in november 2002 uh they were on the rocks because apparently he was shooting some movie. I think it was called Paycheck in Canada, and apparently he like went to some strip club and allegedly cheated on her with multiple multiple women, according to sources. But then, like, they both denied it. They came out together, being like, "No, that's not what happened." Also, like her willingness to be famous and his diswillingness to be openly famous with the paparazzi had a lot to do with it. I assume so. Her yeah. sources that I read. Uh, so they're on the rocks in July of 2003, and she stops wearing the engagement ring. And then in January of 2004, that's when, like, the engagement's called off. Like, they were, they were supposed to get married, and then, like, because, like, the media surrounding their wedding, like, they postponed it in, like, the fall of 2003. And then in January 2004, they just straight up break up. Yeah, which I think further goes to, like, media attention. I think... 
Ben especially was just like, I can't deal with this. Sure. Yeah. Like, you're too famous for me to date. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm equally famous. Yeah, and the only reason we feel comfortable covering this on our podcast is because no one listens to this podcast. So Ben, if you're listening, I'm very sorry. Yeah. Uh, in March of 2004, Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck star in their second movie together. It's a movie called Jersey Girl. What Rid- was their first movie? Dare- Daredevil. Okay. When was Pearl Harbor? Oh, shit, yeah, okay. Because they were in Pearl Harbor together. Um, I think that might have been 2002 or 2003. Okay, that wasn't maybe, in the maybe, 90s? No, no, no. It was in the 2000s for sure. But she was in it for, like, a scene. Like, doesn't she just, like, say goodbye to him? Okay, but, like, what I read was that they met on they Pearl met, Harbor. Yeah, okay. I read that they really <laughs> fell for each other during Daredevil, and then when they reunited for Jersey Girl, because Jersey Girl, like, Kevin Smith is, like, friends with Ben Affleck, right? Like, he put him in the movie Mallrats back in 94, I think. And, um, like, they were supposed to shoot Jersey Girl, and then Kevin Smith, like, okay, like, you can go do Daredevil because it's clear you really want to do it. But when we do Jersey Girl, you have to go for, like, way less than your normal rate. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Kevin Smith was doing that because he hadn't even, like, written the script yet. And then, like, Ben Affleck, <laughs> like, like, puts it together. He's just like, you haven't finished the fucking script, have you? He's like, nope, sucker, good, goodbye. See you. Yeah, he says that, like, in a QA evening with Kevin Smith. Good shit. Um, and so they, like, puts them back together. And apparently Kevin Smith is the one who came up with the name Benifer, is what I read. Which was, like, the first ship name yeah of like history mm-hmm. which i think is very interesting yeah uh which also it could have worked for benifer with j-lo mm-hmm. but nobody put it together until he was dating jennifer garner yeah strange uh 2004 june j-lo marries mark anthony the singer not the famous roman <laughs> Well, you made a joke about Chris Columbus earlier. I'm a dick, okay. I'm a dick for making a Mark Anthony joke. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, and then October 2004, that's when Jennifer Garner and Ben Affleck date in public, like first like announce a relationship. Okay. So like, I feel like it really started on Daredevil. Uh, I agree. I wonder if... The Although re- you can't tell from their chemistry. Yeah, I was about to say, I wonder if the reason there's no chemistry between them in the uh, movies... They're like trying too hard to be like, where's... We're not dating. We're not dating. We're not sleeping together. I don't even... We don't even like each other. I don't even like this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then Ben and Jennifer Garner get married, and they're married for like 15... Yeah, 13. Just under 15 years. Yeah, for a long time. And have three kids. I didn't realize they were married for that long. I didn't either, because they had such like a quiet... Which I think is, like, what he wanted. I assume so, yeah. Uh, which, like, good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, he has his demons. Yeah, I think they I think they split in, like, what, 2018? Yeah. And then now in 20... 22. Well, 2021 was when they started... It was when Ben and J-Lo started dating again, right? Like, she broke up with What's-His-Nuts, that piece of shit from the Yankees. Little baseball... Yeah, that fucking moron. Alex Rodriguez. Thank you, A-Rod. Yeah, that piece of shit. Um, I hate the fucking Yankees, Olya. I hate A-Rod, George. I get it. Um, yeah, they broke up, but it's okay, though, because he's, he's making out fine. He's a co-owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it! Uh, and now he's with J-Lo, and seems, seems happy. They got married, right? Yeah, they got married in Vegas in, like, a kind of... Secret wedding? Sem- Not secret. Semi-private. But yeah, a, a private wedding, which I wish them the best. You know, like, it's like, 
Maybe it just wasn't the right time before. Yeah, I get that. And, like, like Ben and Jennifer Garner have three kids together. Like, I'm sure that was a big chunk of his life. Yeah, it's like a third of his life. I think they're still... Friendly? On decent terms. Yeah, we're, we're quickly getting to the point where, like, I, I didn't keep up. I honestly just wanted to remember, like, what was happening back then. I, I get, I, like you said, like, I honestly feel bad for knowing so much about his life when he clearly wants it to be private. Uh, all I know is uh, the last movie I saw him in, The Way Back, was really fucking good. Yeah, that movie was good. We should watch that again. The movie was really good. All right, Aaliyah, any uh, final thoughts on Daredevil from 2003? Uh, you don't need to watch it. No. You got this podcast. This podcast is uh, right now about 38 minutes shorter than the movie. We just did you a favor. Yeah, please don't watch it. Yeah, uh, I'm probably going to get drunk soon and live tweet my thoughts about the director's cut. So look forward to that uh, on Twitter at shortbox. Wow, no, at, <laughs> at purplebird616. Uh, sorry, we got to go. Serena started serving 17 minutes ago. So we're. No, I think two minutes ago. I think it was 7.15. 7.15? Okay, well, then we still got to go. Also, sorry if you can hear the dog trying to get under the door. Yeah. By blowing their nose. Yeah. Hey! They're not they're not the smartest dogs, but they are the cutest dogs. Check out Twitter for pictures of the dogs in apologies for the interruptions. Yeah, uh, please rate, review, like, subscribe, do all that good stuff for podcasts. And we will see you again next week for Aaliyah and Georgia. This has been Shortbox Summary. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye.